Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. So like we, Steve was saying, uh, we're a few weeks into a new sermon series called The New Has Come. And in this series, we've been journeying through the New Testament and looking at specific examples of ways that Jesus changes our lives and how uh, his resurrection makes us new. So a quick question, how many of you like to travel? Just raise your hand if you do. So I, I think that's probably the majority of the room. And uh, generally, I do think most people like to travel. Most, or some don't, um, but some do too. I really like to travel. You can probably guess that since I'm the missions minister. That kind of makes sense. But I think it's fun to experience new cultures and to try new foods and to see new places, especially if they have better weather than we do here right now. Uh, it's just cool to travel. But if you've traveled like me, you know that traveling isn't always easy. Sometimes uh, there's a big hassle to get from one place to another. And a lot of times when you finally reach your destination, it's challenging because things are so different. So I have a friend from college named Daniel. I'm going to tell you a true story about him. One summer, Daniel studied abroad in West Africa, and he worked with a Christian organization there. And what he would do is he would travel around to these different areas, and um, he would try to find out if this organization could start churches in those places. And what he would always have to do is he'd have to go visit the chief of that tribe to literally get permission to be on his land. That was something he had to do in that part of the world. So one day Daniel is um, visiting this chief, and he's with his team, and they're asking the chief, hey, can we... Uh, send Christians to your area to start new churches and to do other good things for you guys. And the conversation went really well. The chief was very welcoming, sure, come, bring people here. So Daniel was feeling pretty good. Well, at the very end of the conversation, he had to give the chief a gift. In that part of the world, whenever you visit a powerful person like that, you need to give them a gift. So Daniel just looked at what he had in his bag to give the chief, and he saw two things that he thought would work. The first was a flashlight, and the second was like a little folding pocket knife. And Daniel kind of thought to himself, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to give a guy a battery-powered flashlight in a place where he can't find batteries. That just wouldn't last very long and wouldn't be a very good gift. So I'm going to give him the pocket knife. So he walks over, he kind of opens the pocket knife for this chief and shows him how it works, and then he hands it to him. And the chief just kind of stared at the pocket knife. And he stared at Daniel, stared at the pocket knife. And then he turns to Daniel's African friend that's there with him and starts like yelling at him. And Daniel can't understand a word of what's being said. He's like, what is going on? What did I do? Well, finally, after a few minutes, Daniel's African friend is kind of able to ease tensions, calm the chief down a little bit. And um, then he turns to Daniel and says, we need to leave right now. So... Uh, Daniel asked his African friend later, what did I do wrong? And he was told that in that part of the world, when you give somebody as a weapon, as a gift, that means you want to fight them. <laughs> so uh, what he technically did when he gave that chief the pocket knife was he declared war on his tribe, uh, which was not a very good first impression to make for his organization. 
the good news about this story is that uh, Daniel's African friend was able to go back there and kind of smooth things over with the chief. He just had to explain that, you know, Daniel was an American and had no clue what he was doing. And the chief was like, oh, okay, I get that. Uh, if, you, if you're ever traveling somewhere and you do something that you're not supposed to, sorry, I'm an American, I don't understand this. That, that usually works. I use that all the time. Uh, but anyway, the good news is there are churches being planted there today. Um, they were able to send people there uh, in spite of what happened. So if you've traveled like me, you know that um, when you visit somewhere, there are going to be some things that you just don't understand. And that could be when you're traveling overseas, of course, you know, there are going to be different languages and different customs, but also when you travel across our country, you know, if you grew up in a small town and then moved to a big city for school or for work, you understand that that's a totally different culture. And there's a lot of things that you had to learn. And it's the same if you would have grown up in a big city and then moved to a small town for some reason. And this is even becoming common in our community. You know, our community is becoming increasingly diverse. And now you might be able to visit one of your friend's houses and they speak a different language or they eat different food, or they're from a different place. And there's going to be some things about even their family that you won't be able to understand. So when we're visiting somewhere, there are going to be some things that just don't make sense to us. And sometimes we can be so surprised by a new culture that we experience something called culture shock. Maybe you've experienced this before. Culture shock is simply a sense of confusion you get when you're experiencing a new way of life. And sometimes it's like an overwhelming confusion that even makes you panic a little bit. So maybe you go overseas and they've got some new food there and you don't like the spices they're putting in it. So you just don't want to eat at all. That could be culture shock. Or maybe you go overseas and uh, they speak a new language in the place you're visiting. And you know, you're helpless, you can't communicate with people. You can't even order food at a restaurant. So you might kind of shut down and experience culture shock because you don't know what to do. That's culture shock. So here's a more in-depth definition of culture shock. It's going to be up on the screen here. And I think it really applies to what we're talking about today. Anthropologist Paul Hebert says, culture shock is the disorientation of discovering that the cultural patterns we have learned are now meaningless. Once again, Culture shock is the disorientation of discovering that the cultural patterns we have learned are now meaningless. One crazy thing about culture shock is that every Christian, every follower of Jesus is going to experience it at one point or another, even if they never leave the place where they grew up. And that's because, you know, when we start to follow Jesus, we're called to leave our old sinful ways of life behind so that we can begin a new life and look more like Jesus. And that transition involves culture shock because in that transition, we realize that lots of the things we've been taught about life from our culture or from our family or maybe at school, they're meaningless compared to what we have in Jesus. And that's because our society's culture is very, very different than the culture of Jesus' kingdom. Sometimes there's some overlap, but his kingdom is totally different than anything we find on this world. So, you know, maybe some of you sitting in this room are new Christians and you totally understand what I'm saying right now because you're beginning to walk with Jesus and you're realizing that some of the things that you used to do really don't match up 
with how you're supposed to follow Jesus. So you're like, yeah, I get that. I'm experiencing some culture shock right now. Some of us, though, you know, we've been Christians for a long time or we grew up in the church and we may still be experiencing culture shock. And that's because, you know, even though we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, our culture is changing. When I grew up in this community um, a while ago, you know, in elementary school, a lot of my classmates were Christians. And even if they didn't go to church somewhere, maybe they and their family would have at least identified as Christians. But that's not as common now. Not as many people feel, uh, you know, like they need to even have any religion. And in some parts of our community, and especially our country, there are places that are even hostile towards Christian beliefs. So our culture is changing, and we can experience culture shock because of that. Either way, one of the big questions that we all have to deal with is learning how to live like Jesus in a world that doesn't look like Jesus. There is good news about this, though. You know, the entire Bible was written to people who lived in places that was hostile towards what they believed. Just think about it. We've got the ancient Israelites, and they were slaves in Egypt because they were different. And we've got the Jews who were exiled to Babylon because they believed something that was different. And we definitely have the first Christians that we read about in the New Testament. They were persecuted, and a lot of times they were even killed because of what they believed. And the things that we're experiencing in our culture and the little bits of culture shock and things that are different, those aren't anything like the things that they experienced. So we can learn a lot from them about how to live in a place that doesn't look like Jesus because they lived through it. There's lots of principles that can carry over. So today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter. Uh, That's one of those books that we can learn from. And this book was written by Peter, obviously. It has his name, and he was one of Jesus' disciples. He followed Jesus around and knew a lot about Jesus. And in this book, he's writing to a group of Christians who are being persecuted. So we can learn a lot about how to live in our society from uh, him saying how these Christians should live in their society. So please open your Bibles or the Bible app on your phone to 1 Peter 1, 17 through 21. And if you don't have a Bible, the words are going to be up on the screen here. So here's what 1 Peter 1, 17 through 21 says. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God." Peter says a few really important things here. The first is, you know, he just tells us, live like foreigners. And his logic is, this world isn't our home. Those of us who follow Jesus, our ultimate destination is heaven, so we're just passing through here for a short amount of time, and we need to live as foreigners. The second thing Peter says is that the things of this world are perishable and empty. And what he's saying is, you know, our possessions and our material things, they're only going to last a certain amount of time. Eventually those things are going to break 
or they're going to become outdated, and they won't be able to help us anymore. And it's the same thing with what we learn in our culture. You know, cultural trends change, so after a while, the things that our culture is telling us we should do, those things aren't going to matter anymore either. So finally, what Peter's trying to say is we need to put our hope in God. We are redeemed by Jesus, not those perishable and empty things. So why would we put our hope in things that, you know, are going to break and are going to change when we could put our hope in something that's going to last forever and that's always going to be there for us? So if I could summarize what Peter's trying to teach us in one sentence, here's what it would be. This is kind of the main thought for today. We are foreigners in this world, so our fulfillment is not in this world. We are foreigners in this world, so our fulfillment is not in this world. When I was in college, I studied abroad in Morocco for nine months. And I really enjoyed it there. I just like college in general because I like learning. But in Morocco, I really enjoyed the work that I was doing. Uh, and I love studying a new culture. I really enjoyed the challenge of learning a new language. I had some great friends. And I just enjoyed their culture in general. Uh, you know, stores didn't open till 10, so everything was pretty chill. And the best part was the region I lived in. It was beautiful. A lot of times, you know, if people like to go on vacation, they like to go one of two places, the mountains or the ocean. Well, we had both. Behind our city were mountains that had snow on them part of the year. They were pretty big. And in front of our city was the Mediterranean Sea. So I could spend the morning on the top of a mountain and then go swim in the Mediterranean Sea. It was a really beautiful place. And I lived in an apartment with a view of the sea. And in this town, there was a great fish restaurant where I could get fresh fish for less than $10. It was a pretty cool place. And it was really fun to live there. But as much as I liked living there, by the time I left, I was really ready to go home. And that's because I missed my family I missed my girlfriend, obviously. And uh, most of all, I missed the three food groups, Chipotle, bacon, and mac and cheese. <laughs> so we couldn't get mac and cheese in Morocco. So for my birthday, my mom literally mailed me a box full of boxes of macaroni and cheese. And all of my American friends, they wanted to come to my house for dinner. <laughs> it was great. So what I'm trying to get to here is foreigners get homesick. If you've got a friend that's not from here, you know that they get a little homesick sometimes. You know, all the time they're going to be telling you stories about the place they grew up. Or they're going to be telling you stories about the history of their country. And they're going to tell you about, you know, their favorite foods, the things their mom used to cook for them when they were a kid. And they're definitely going to tell you stories about their family and friends because they miss those people. I've lived overseas, and I have lots of friends who live in this community who are foreigners, and even if they like living here, things are still never really the same as home. They still kind of get homesick. They still miss some of the things about their home. And I think that's a really, really important thing for those of us who follow Jesus to remember. This world is not our home. Here's what Hebrews 13, 14 says. This world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. That's heaven. That's our ultimate destination. 
So our culture teaches us to find fulfillment in money and in material things. It teaches us to find fulfillment in romantic relationships and in family and in accomplishments at work or school or in sports. And I'm sure there are things that you all could add to my list, places where our culture tells us to find fulfillment. But we've got to remember that at the end of the day, all those things are going to break or those things are going to change or we're not going to be able to do those things anymore. So we need to put our hope in Jesus because he's going to last forever. So I know that this is kind of a hard teaching to wrap your head around. You know, this isn't like, you know, a fun thing to talk about like grace that makes us feel good. And I know that this is hard for some of us to understand. For some of us, this is really easy. You know, maybe we were raised in a Christian home and this is kind of natural to us, or maybe we just naturally kind of like to be different. So you're like, oh yeah, I can be a foreigner. But for a lot of us, it's really, really hard. Maybe because we're learning how to follow Jesus for the first time. Or maybe it's because our family and our close friends aren't Christians. And it's really, really hard to be close to those people and to do the things that they like to do um, and still, you know, live as a foreigner and look different. So I understand that this is hard. And I want to give you some uh, tools to help you with that. But I do want to clarify as well, I'm not saying that you need to become a hermit and like go live in a cave to follow Jesus. That's something that a few Christians did in the past, and I really don't think it worked for them. Um, And I think that it's really important for us to enjoy the life that God gave us. You know, he put us here for a reason. And it's really, really important for us to have relationships with people who don't follow Jesus so that we can tell them more about him. Those things are really important. We just need to remember that we need to look different when we do it. So we are foreigners in this world. That's what Peter tells us. We're just passing through. So my big question for you is, how are your traveling skills? Do you feel like you're prepared to live in a world that doesn't look like Jesus? Are you prepared to live as a foreigner? Do you live as a foreigner at work? Do you treat your clients differently? And do you treat your coworkers differently? Do you live as a foreigner at home with your family? Do you treat them with the love that you think Jesus would treat them with? And do you live as a foreigner when you're just hanging out with your friends? Those are questions that we all need to consider. So to close, I'd like to give you three tips for traveling in this world. They're travel tips. And uh, these are three questions that you can just ask yourself to kind of decide if you're on the right track. And these questions are going to be on the screen up here. Question number one, am I trying to please God or please other people? Whenever you travel, you have to keep your final destination in mind. You know, if you're traveling to Europe and um, you spend all your money at the duty-free store in the airport, you're not going to have a very good time when you reach your destination just because you're not going to have any money to spend to do fun things. Or, you know, when you're on a cruise or you're at an all-inclusive resort, they have this amazing thing called an all-you-can-eat buffet. I'm very familiar with those. Uh, But you've got to keep in mind, you can't eat literally all you can eat at the buffet at every meal because otherwise you're going to have to lose some weight when you get home. You know, you've got to remember, you've got to come back to the real world and live real life. You know, you can't just do whatever you want there. We've got to keep our destination in mind. 
And that's something that's really important for those of us who follow Jesus. Are we going to focus on things that are temporary and make us happy now? Or are we going to focus on things that are eternal and ultimately fulfilling? The second question to consider, do I have the tools to travel well? A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Europe to visit a few of our mission partners. And it was a really great trip. They're doing a lot of cool things in that part of the world. And I would really love it if maybe one day some of you were able to visit there with me to see what God is doing. But before the trip, I was emailing our mission partners and I was saying, what kind of weather should I expect? Like, what clothes should I pack? And the response I got was, well, you know, this time of the year, you should expect anything from snow to 70s. And I was like, how do I pack for that? When I travel, I like to just put my things in a carry-on so I don't have to mess with checking bags and potentially losing my luggage. So what I had to do to prepare for this trip was I had to go to the store and buy like special clothes for traveling, things that could fold like really small and things that could pack really well because otherwise I wasn't going to be prepared for all of the situations that this place was going to throw at me. Because, you know, that's hard. If it's 40 degrees outside, I'm going to be wearing a coat. But if it's in the 70s, I'm going to be wearing shorts. That's hard to pack for, and that's hard to prepare for. So do you have the tools to travel well? This world is going to throw a lot of challenges our way, and we need to be prepared. One of our jobs at PCC is to provide you with the tools you need to travel in this world. So a few things I'd like to suggest. First, you can register for Starting Point. That's just a, uh, a time where you can uh, get together with a few people on our staff and some other people from the church to learn more about what we have to offer. And also, you could register for a life group launch and join a life group. Life groups are just a group of people that get together every week or every other week, and they study the Bible, and uh, they're friends, and they hang out, and they journey through life together. And that's a great way to have people to journey through life with. And if you're interested in either of those things, if you're thinking, yeah, that sounds like something for me, you can go to the hub after service, and I'm sure that they can hook you up with the opportunity. So finally, the last question, and I think this is the most important question, am I looking more like Jesus or less like Jesus? When you're in a vacation spot, you can always tell who the tourists are. You know, they're the people that are walking around taking pictures of everything, because if you live somewhere, you're normally not like taking picture of the, pictures of the scenery and stuff like that. Or sometimes when you travel, you see the stereotypical tourist. You know, that guy who's got like white tube socks on and sandals and a fanny pack. Uh, that person could be a hipster if they're in their 20s, but they're probably a tourist. So anyway, you guys get what I'm talking about. You can tell when people aren't from somewhere. And that's the way Jesus was while he was on earth. He didn't dress differently than the people that were around him, and he didn't like speak a different language, but he definitely looked different. Jesus had different values, and he interacted with God differently, and he treated people differently, especially if they were people that everybody else didn't normally treat well. And in that way, Jesus was countercultural. He didn't do what his culture expected him to do. And because of that, he really modeled what life looks like as a foreigner. And we have a great example to follow in him. So to close, I'm going to pray for us. 
and just ask God to teach us how to do this. Um, but if you're curious about what this looks like, I'm going to be around after service, and I'd love to talk. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this time that we get to spend together. We love being with other people that want to worship you and learn more about you. Jesus, I thank you for coming down to this world as a foreigner. You did not have to leave a perfect place in heaven to come down to this messy world and be with us, but you did. And Jesus, we're so glad that you lived with, a, lived with us as a foreigner so, for a short amount of time so that we could get to know you more. And we're really, really thankful for your sacrifice, which allows us to know you. We love you. Amen.